Anybody glad you came today? All right, amen. Well, uh, welcome to Meadowbrook Church this morning. Welcome to, you ready for this? Christmas season. And it's, it's my favorite one. Uh, but you have to handle it right. Because otherwise it can get crazy. And you can get in debt. And you can get mad at people and all kinds of things. And um, part of that comes when we make it what it's not supposed to be. And I do believe that uh, Christmas is a celebration. We're going to talk about that. A lot of people don't know what they're celebrating. Now, I'm just thrilled everybody's celebrating, or most everybody. And so I'm, I'm thrilled they're celebrating. But it's almost like, yay, party, happy birthday, but we don't know who. And that's kind of what the world's doing. And what we want to do is really clarify again today for all of us. And there are a lot of wonderful things that, um, that we do, a lot of traditional things, uh, some things that for some people go, what does that have to do with the birth of Jesus? It's a celebration, y'all. Some people just don't know how to celebrate right. Uh, but I, I think decorating is fun. I think food is awesome. <laughs> I think giving gifts can be good. You know, so many things. And there's a lot of secular things, but most of all, we want to bring it all down to the sacred and to the holy and the real meaning, the life-changing meaning of, of really what this is all about. And so uh, somebody get that phone, would you? Thank you. Hey, that's a good reminder. Can I do a little housekeeping right now? When you come in here, turn your phones off. Or the usher will come and we have a bucket full of water and we will turn it off for you. Okay? Now I'm joking. I'm joking. But don't push me. Okay? And every time we come together, I'm just going to go there for a moment, okay? Can we? Every time we come together, because this is a whole lot of people, okay? And we just had a whole lot of people, maybe a little more than this in first service. And uh, when we come together, it's about Jesus. And so you want to be careful that you don't do anything that distracts others. You know, from time to time, people say, well, tell me, everybody around me, they, the people right around me, they just kept talking and kept playing, kept doing, don't do that. I wouldn't want that on me, that you were stopping somebody from really receiving from the Lord. And, and hold movement to a, to a minimum. Listen, we're not a church of rules, okay? I'm not, I'm not doing a bunch of rules. But hold movement to a, to a minimum. You shouldn't, you know, hey, I think I'll go get a coffee. Y'all want anything? What about you? You know? Yeah. And, and if you drank, let, let me put this as nice as I can, and if you drank too much coffee already, you should probably always sit in the back <laughs> so everybody's not watching you coming and going, all right? Okay, I went there, but you get the point, all right? All right, good deal. Because we want, we, want we want good things to happen. Um, let me remind you that after every service, say every service, after every service, we have a prayer team ready to pray with you. So whether or not I remember, because sometimes I forget, uh, I got a lot going on up here, I forget to remind you that prayer team's here, but after every service, right over here under this screen in that area, they'll be over there. It's not a time of counseling, it's just a time to get somebody to agree with you in prayer, and that's a very, very powerful thing. And so you're carrying things, sometimes your answer is to get somebody else to pray with you, and they're glad to do that every, every time. I want to thank you for uh, your faithful stewardship and generosity to this ministry. Because of that, we're able to get a whole lot done, and we've got a whole lot to do. And uh, so thank you for that. But I know that the first step of all of that is you're honoring God. And uh, when you honor God, 
1 Samuel 5.30 says he will honor you as well. So uh, you can never outgive God. Don't forget groups. Don't forget growth track. And my goodness, don't forget to get yourself to church. Amen? All right. Um, well, as I said, it's Christmas season. That means a lot of things to a lot of different people. And there's some things that are kind of bygone that I want to bring back. You know, there's some things, uh, you know, the big thing is everybody to get electronics for Christmas. If, if I ruled the world, I would be getting rid of more and more electronics because it's really not bringing us together. It's, it's taking us apart. You can use them to great advantage. Don't hear me as a fuddy-duddy against progress and all. I mean, we can use them to incredible advantage. But don't forget the personal touch on things, too. You know, sometimes you might need to just write a letter. Do you all remember those? You know, send a card. And Christmas, you know, that used to be a thing is to send out cards. Well, I'm, I'm uh, acting on that. So after service today, on your way out, we have our... Our, Alicia and I have a Christmas card for you on your way out today. And I'll be at one entrance with one of my grandkids. She'll be at another entrance with one of the grandkids. And we just want to in some way say Merry Christmas to you. And you'll have some awesome pictures. So anyway, so that, that'll be coming. All right. Um, I found this on Instagram the other day. And I just want to show you because it made me laugh here. Great to see Mary on keyboards and Joseph on vocals for a change. Look at the picture. You'll get it. You'll get it. Mary on keyboards, Joseph on vocals. Well, some of you will get it later. All right. And uh, this next one I would caption, how's your Christmas season? Here's my granddaughter, uh, Grace. It just didn't go that well. And that is the happiest little 18-month-old girl, uh, Grace, but... um, that was not a love connection right there. So, <laughs> all right. Well, let me inform you, uh, if you're new around here, let me remind you, if you've been around here, what Christmas is. And I'll put it on the screen for you here. Christmas is the celebration of the entrance of our Savior into the world. I want to read it for you again. Christmas is the celebration of the entrance of our Savior into the world. I want to make sure you get it, so everybody read it with me. Christmas is the celebration of the entrance of our Savior into the world. I know that's a mouthful, but it makes sense. And when you overlay that over everything else, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to impact your level of celebration because I'm thankful that a Savior came. And I'm thankful that he came into our world. And this is a biggie. Christmas is a biggie. But guess what? Christmas makes no sense without Easter. And he became Savior. Now you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. So it was all prophetic, but the work of it was accomplished on the cross and through the empty grave. And so it put it all together. So make sure... Not only that we celebrate Easter, we're going we're to celebrate uh, Christmas, rather. We're also going to celebrate uh, Easter as that comes. And we are Easter people. I said we are Easter people. So uh, I like to put it this way. Easter reminds us that the worst thing is never the last thing. God will always come through. Amen? Well, uh, all this month, we're calling this series, We Make Room. We make room. And 
Think about it in your life, first of all. You probably already right now, your closets, your drawers, your shelves, your garage are all kind of full and cluttered a little bit. Anybody like me? Now, I know some of you are neat freaks and you got it all together and it's all organized and you got space and it's labeled and alphabetized and color-coded and all that stuff. Any of y'all here? Well, God bless you. I read a while back that a clean desk is the sign of a sick mind. So I just, I, I didn't make it up. I just read it. But we were crowded and cluttered kind of already, and then Christmas comes, and we add to what we have. And as we add to it what we have, it's not always what we need. And honestly, as things are given to us sometimes, it's not only what, not what we would need, sometimes it's not even what we want. Y'all ever got anything you didn't want? Oh, you're acting all straight because they're sitting next to you that, 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 that gave it to you. But uh, yeah, that, that happens too. And then we always need to, in some way, we, we've got to, oh, I'll make room for that. You know, we've, uh, you've all you know, been offered, hey, we got this great sofa, would you like it? We got this great coffee table, would you like it? I don't have room for it. If it's really nice, guess what? You'll make room for it. You'll make room for it. Um, I heard a comedian on the radio, and he said, my apartment in New York City is so small that if anybody gives me anything, I have to give something away. And, uh, you know, that's kind of true of our lives sometimes inside of us that we get so cluttered with so many things. So the call out to all of us is make room. We've got to make room for the Savior and for his, his work in each of our lives. Can I get an amen today? Well, today I want to call today's message, God Sent His Son. Let's start out in John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. You know it well, but realize that this is the greatest Christmas verses right here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's some good news. Amen. Now look in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. But when the fullness of the time had come. Now that phrase there, fullness of the time, in the New Testament Greek means this. At an exact specific appointed time. So there was an exact specific appointed time when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son. Now those two words right there, sent forth, also in the New Testament Greek means this, to dispatch on a mission. So let me rewind all of that. At an exact and specific and pre-appointed time, God sent his son. He dispatched his son on a mission. Now follow this, born of a woman, That's significant, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons and let me add, as as daughters. So it was an exact and specific time. This was synchronized, this was strategic, this was not haphazard, this was exact, this was precise. You know, the fact that Jesus, the Savior of the world, the Son of God, was born in a stable, in a manger, is not because somebody forgot to make reservations. This was intentional. 
This is strategic, everything about it, and it is absolutely precise. But the question would be, and I'll put the question on the screen here for you. Here's the big question for us today. Why did God send his son? Let's think this through a little bit. Why did God send his son? First of all, because we needed him. We're broken, we're lost, filthy, a mess, self-destructive, couldn't help ourselves. God sent his son as a what? Savior. To do what? To save us. To save who? To save us who could not save ourselves. But let me ask you this, not to put guilt on you, but for us to think about our hearts a little bit. You walk past people, you drive past people all the time that are broken and lost and can't help themselves and self-destructive and everything else. And a lot of times we don't do anything for them. So why did God do it for us? Because he loved us. He didn't just love us. Y'all here? He didn't just love us. The Bible says for God, what? So loved. Every word matters there. He so loved. That means he deeply, profoundly, greatly loved us. He prized us above other things. He so loved us. That's why he sent his son. Let me tell you about the nature of love. This is true. Love always tries to close the distance. So when you love someone, you don't want to be further away from them. You want to be closer to them. And when you're apart, you think about them. You call them. You text them. You write them, whatever. You can't wait to come back together. And the love that God has for you is beyond a love that you or I could ever figure out. The Bible says we don't know the height, the depth, the width, the length of this. It's beyond what we can comprehend. Listen to me. God so loves you. Not because you're all shined up and got it all together. Because, I mean, we all look good right now, but guess what? We don't have it all together. But guess, guess what else does not vary? And that is that God so incredibly loves you. So we've got a couple reasons why God sent his son. But today I want to explore something a little further and maybe off the beaten path of what we normally talk about as far as why did God send his son. He sent his son also so that he, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit could understand something. And stay with me. He sent his son so that he could answer a question. And let's go to Genesis chapter 3. And let me set this up just a little bit. This is in the garden, okay? This is at the beginning. How many of you know it was all good? Come on, let's say it's all good. It was all good at the beginning. And then something happened. And so God comes in the cool of the morning one day, and here we are in Genesis 3, 9. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Where are you? Now look at me. This was not a geographical question. This is not like, I lost him. Where'd he go? I'll find him on GPS or, you know, we'll get a search party. This is not geographical at all. This is where are you? And can I say that God's kind of asking that today about you and me? Where are you? Where are you? Now, until now, remember, we're in the garden. 
Until now, everything had come from God. Everything was good. Everything had come from him, come out of him. It was good. It reflected him. But now something has drastically changed. Right here, sin has entered. Disobedience has come. And with sin, there's broken fellowship. Now there's not only sin and broken fellowship. Guess what? There's shame. And because of shame, there's hiding. And because of all of it, we get defensive and we get fearful. And so this has all changed. And so God is looking at this. And remember, everything was good. Everything was perfect. And now everything is ruined. And instead of having fellowship with God, it's broken. And instead of walking with God, they're hiding. And here's... God sees it all. God knew it all. But God sent his son. You ready? He sent his son because he couldn't relate to what was going on. Now stay with me. When you can't relate to something, when you don't understand why something happened, you ask questions. If somebody does something that, you know, sets you off or works against you, you go, what were you thinking? Why did you do this? How did this happen? How did we even get to this place you, you ask questions well God asked a question and his question was this is where are you where are you and again know this he's not like I can't find you where are you it's like where are you he's trying to relate and get this this is the theme throughout the morning God sent his son so that he could relate now God asked the question where are you who does God ask questions for information? Where does God go for answers? God knows it all. God, God knows it. God is the answer. He has the answer. He is, he is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. But here's the thing. He could not relate to what just happened. So you know what he did? He sent his son on a mission. So God so loved that he sent his son. In the fullness, exact, specific time, God dispatched his son on a mission because he couldn't relate to what was going on. He sent Jesus in to find out. Now follow this. Jesus came, born of a woman. He was born under the law. He put on flesh and blood. As the son of God put on flesh and blood, that first holy night there, that first holy night, think about this, was the first night he'd ever slept. He nursed at the breast that he created. He cried. He got tired. He ate. He had to learn to walk. He had to learn to talk. His earthly father, Joseph, was a carpenter. So I'm sure hanging around with all that, he probably hit a finger or two with a hammer. He probably got a splinter along the way. The region they lived in, sandstorms and so forth. I'm sure he had had sand in his eyes. He laughed, he cried, he sweat. At the age of 12, he was found in the temple teaching the teachers. And then guess what? Scripture goes quiet for 18 years. What was he doing for 18 years? You ready? Relating. He was finding out how to live. He was finding out how we live. He's finding out what this life is. He created it all. He knows everything. He's the answer for everything. But there's something about God 
and his love that he wanted to get up close so that he could relate to what is going on. In John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In the Christmas card we're going to give you on the way out in the Message Bible, we use this verse. The word became flesh and blood and, watch this, moved into the neighborhood. How many of you could use Jesus in your neighborhood? Okay. And at your house. But I love this whole idea that he moved in close. He put on flesh and blood and he moved in to get close with us. He became flesh and blood so that he could ask this question, so he could answer this question, where are you? Can I take the question to another level? How are you? He wanted to be able to relate. In Hebrews chapter 2, you still here? Now, don't get sheepish on me because I told you to turn your phones off and, you know, things like that. Stay, stay, stay with me here. Hebrews chapter 2. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. Guess what? That's you. Verse 17. For this reason, he had to be made like them, like us, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. And that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Verse 18, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. Now, that word tempted in the New Testament Greek is tempted, tested, tried, and includes the idea of trouble. Quick informal survey here. Anybody here been tempted, tested, tried, had some trouble? I can wait on you. Come on, come on, come on. Okay. He wanted to know what this was like. He went through it all himself. Listen to it in the message paraphrase, the same verses. It's obvious, of course, that he didn't go to all this trouble for angels. It was for people like us, children of Abraham. That's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. Then, when he came before God as high priest to get rid of people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself all the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help where help was needed. Anybody glad about this? Now let's go a little further in Hebrews. A little bit further in Hebrews. Now now don't leave this behind. Scripture says he had to be made like us. He had to be made like us ultimately for this reason, so he could relate So he could relate, so he could represent us, so that he could help us. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, I'll also do this in the message paraphrase. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy and accept the help. Now, This is not just Jesus came and I want to do a tour. You know, sometimes politicians will go to a troubled area or following a storm or whatever, and they just kind of land and look around and take a couple pictures and go away. Can I tell you that Jesus is better than any politician ever, ever, ever? Okay? And so he didn't just fly in. He just didn't fly over. He came and he put on flesh and blood. He became just like you. He came just like me, born of a woman, born under the law. The, the, the book of uh, Philippians chapter 2 says he divested himself 
of his divine privileges. He didn't come in and say, you know, my dad's God. He didn't have an entourage, you know, of of just holy, divine everything. He came and he became like you and like me, and he felt what you feel, and he felt what I feel, and he's been through what you've been through, and he's been through what you might yet go through. So I made just a little list. Just think about this. He was tempted. The Bible's very clear that he was tempted. In all points like we are, he was tempted. Question, have you been tempted? The Bible says he went through it all without sin. So if he can do it all and not mess it up, I want him to coach me. Okay? So he's tempted. It's not like, well, bless your heart, try harder. He's been through it. He can relate. He was hungry. Y'all ever been hungry? No, I'm not talking about a half hour late for lunch. I'm talking because there's not much or there's not any. Have you been there? He's been there. He was talked about. Have any of you ever been talked about? Doesn't feel good, does it? He was talked about. He was ridiculed. He was bullied. You ever been bullied? If you're within the sound of my voice and you're a bully, I don't care if you're an online bully or at your job or somewhere else, cut it out in the name of Jesus. Cut it out. Don't, don't treat God's people that way. Never. He was bullied. He was opposed. He was betrayed. He was canceled. He was beaten beyond recognition. He was abandoned. He was harassed. The list goes on and on. You know it. You lived it. And then he went through things that you and I will never go through for us. He had to be made like us so that he could relate to us so that he could fully Help us. In the book of Ezekiel chapter 3, and I'm just going to tell it to you rather than read it right now for the sake of time. The prophet heard that people were in captivity. He also heard that they were backslidden. Do you know what backslidden is? When a person backslides, they have a relationship with God and they slide back from that relationship. It's not a place that you want to be. Great thing is you can come back, okay? You can come back. He heard that the people were not only in captivity, they were backslidden, and here's a really dangerous spot, and their hearts were hardened. So this is what he said. He said, I'm gonna go to them, and I'm going to preach to them. Can I rephrase it? I'm gonna go to them, and I'm gonna preach at them. I'm gonna straighten them out. Don't you feel like that? Sometimes we feel like that. He said this, though, but when I got there, don't miss this, and I sat where they sat, I was overwhelmed. He couldn't speak for seven days. And at the end of the seven days, a word from God came for him to give to them. See, sometimes we look at other people and we're kind of quick to judge them. Hello? Hello? How many of you are good judges? 
I mean, we're quick to judge other people. Some of you are so good. I'm good like this too. Somebody can just upset you a little bit in traffic and you already know beyond any question that they're an idiot. (laughs) That's an idiot. I know them when I see them. Right? And then there's so many other people around us going through things. And here's what we do. Oh, man, I could straighten them out. Man, I know a few things. I could tell them. You know what? You don't know nothing. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know what they're going through. We see people making bad decisions. Well, if they wouldn't be so dumb, if they wouldn't do that, you know, this and that and this. You don't know their story. You barely know your story. We talked about it in Done With Dysfunction, a series we did a couple months ago, that the enemy has been working against you for generations. He's been working through your family line and situations for generations so that you feel bad about you, so that you're ill-equipped, so you're down on you. The enemy wants you down on you. So how dare any of us work on the enemy's team to be down on people? And what the prophet said is the same thing that Jesus did. He said, I I was coming to straighten them out until I sat where they sit. I got overwhelmed. And I realized I had nothing to say for seven perfect days. And then a word from God came. And then I was able to help them. Half of helping anybody is understanding them. Half of helping somebody is to be able to relate to what they're going through. Now, I've gotten as much education as I can get for what I'm doing. I've been working at this as decades. I can, I can understand and help with a lot of things, but you know what? Some things you're going through, I can't relate to. I haven't had an addiction. I haven't had some things happen to me. I've had some other horrible things happen throughout my whole life. You know what? But I'm going to tell you something. There's somebody who knows you. There's somebody who has felt what you feel. There's someone, he made it his business. We make it our business to avoid all the pain we can. He made it his business to put on flesh and go in there so he could feel it. He knew everything that was coming, he did. But he said, I want to feel it. It's important to me, I must be made like them so that I can be the best high priest for them, so I can represent them before God. And we just read in Hebrews, he's your high priest. He's your advocate with the Father. Where is Jesus right now? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Who's in you and with you? The Holy Spirit. God Almighty, the Father, is seated in heaven. Nobody taking him out. There's no re-election. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, having gone full circle, dispatched by the Father on a mission, came, came like, and became like us, lived all of this, took it all to the cross, died, paid the supreme price, rose again from the dead, shortly thereafter ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, sent the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit to help us. But the one who's sitting next to your heavenly father, get this, the one who's sitting next to the heavenly father right now, he knows everything about you. 
Anytime you utter anything toward God, even if it's a help me, or it's a 20-minute prayer, or you're in a tough situation, guess what? He is representing you before the Father. He's not just some mindless, minimum wage mail reader to the Father. Got another letter from Tim Gilligan. <laughs> Got himself in trouble again. Now he's saying, Father, this is, this is I, I died for this guy. I see everything that's been against him. I've, I've seen the mistakes he's made. He's seen you. He knows you. He represents you before the Father. He can relate. He knows what to request. And you know what the Father does then too? He dispatches angels on missions. He moves. He has the Holy Spirit move on people around you. He does things you could never even explain or understand. He does that because he can relate and he wants to help you. Truly, only God knows what it's like to be you. Hear it again. Truly, only God knows what it's like to be you. That is why he came. He's the only one who cares enough. He's the only one big enough to ask you the question, where are you? How are you? So what do you do? What do you do when you're overwhelmed in this life? First of all, you take courage that you have a Savior. Say it, I have a Savior. And he's not just some appointed person to handle your case. He's someone who knows you so personally. He knows everything about you. He feels and can relate to everything you've ever been through. What do you do when your heart is overwhelmed? Psalm 61, I'm almost done. Hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you've been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings, Selah. Which brings us full circle back to Luke chapter 2. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, come on everybody, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Why all of that? Why this angelic invasion breaking into this atmosphere? What was all the rejoicing about? Because they knew what I just told you today. This wasn't about just a hovering holiday that just kind of happened. This was God's son sent on a mission, dispatched on a mission to figure us out, to be able to relate to us so they could go back to the Father and send all the help from heaven that you and I will ever possibly need in this life and in the life to come. Hear this. Christmas is the celebration of the entrance of our Savior into our world that is why we celebrate. Amen? Did y'all get anything at all out of this today? I pray so.